This episode of the podcast is brought to you by every shark movie being exactly the same. It's always the exact same movie. If it's in a word or it's in a look, we can't get rid of the Babadook. If you're a really clever one and you know what it is to see, then you can make friends with a special one, a friend of you and me. His name is Mr. Babadook, and this is his book. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Ba 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 duk duk duk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that heard the three rumbles of ba 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 duk duk duk. I'm Zach and I'm Frank, and today we are here to discuss the Baba Duke. Yes. It's a cool film. Yeah. Um, there's this is your a, first time seeing it? No, no, no. I've oh, okay. seen it before. There's a lot to really like about this film. Yeah. Other than it being a horror film. Because mm-hmm. this is this is probably like more so in the horror genre. I would say more so like the newer style of horror. Yeah. This was kind of like... This, like the Babadook for me is always kind of like the starting point of like art house drama. Uh, art house horror. Yeah. For yeah, because you really didn't see much else. Maybe before. not like the start of it, but more of like the renaissance of it, like mm-hmm. like the coming back of it, and like then then it was just like Robert Eggers, like The Witch, yeah, and then like and like those movies, I always like kind of keep in like the same kind of bundle with each other. Well, I'll say like this is more of like the the big production version of it, where it's like this is really like studio films, yeah. like a high budget for it, yeah, and it's really cool. It is. It's got a lot more. Like it's definitely like got you know its deepness to it as well. Like the metaphors and whatnot. I get my. I have like some issues for sure with the movie. Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. that like this movie hasn't actually aged as well as I thought it was going to. <laughs> like ironically enough, I think that you can definitely tell like it's a first feature. There's definitely like some weird, mm-hmm. just not great like camera work, but also there's like some really cool camera work at the same time. Yeah. Um, it, it just definitely feels like a director who is, she's trying to, you know, she's making her debut and it's like, there's still some kinks to work to be worked out. Yeah. But for a debut, really Oh no, well it's done. a very, very, very really good well debut done. film. Yeah, absolutely. So Babadook came out in 2014. It was directed by Jennifer Kent. Mm-hmm. You only have a few people in this. And by that, I mean two people really. Yeah. You have Essie Davis who plays Amelia and then you have Noah Wiseman, who plays Samuel, her yep. son. You can throw in Daniel Henshaw, who plays Robbie, but like he's this weird. But did you write who plays the Babadook? No, because <laughs> <laughs> it's not listed anywhere. Oh no, it's listed. Is it? Yeah. I, I couldn't find it. Um, and this is a film about a single mother who is like recently, no, not even recently, but a widowed mother who. Um, you know, her and her child kind of like, they both kind of fall into like this deep well of like paranoia mm-hmm. with this child's storybook. That just showed up out of nowhere. Yeah, that kind of just showed up Um, of this character. Oh, the book is called Mr. Babadook mm-hmm. and she reads it to her son and then it kind of just comes to life. And then it's kind of like her, her family, her and her son getting terrorized by this creature. Yeah, I will I will say I really appreciate the reverse Freddy Krueger effect with the Babadook yeah. where it's like the more that you try to disbelieve it, the more power it gains mm-hmm. as opposed to Freddy where it's like if if you believe in him then he gets stronger. Yeah. So that was really cool. I I will say like the actual Babadook itself, like when they show the scenes, really really cool, 
very reminiscent to German expressionist films like yeah. the nineteen twenties and specifically Nosferatu. Like I got that yeah. vibe heavy in yeah. this film. Yeah, and like I love the movie for it being not like this movie is genuinely scary. It is. And I love that it doesn't have like the bullshit jump scares mm-hmm. and the annoying like the, the for the most part this film is actually pretty quiet. Yeah. Like when it comes to like music and I mean the only thing not quiet really is the fucking kid who is oh. like so annoying and I was going to say I fuck like Samuel <laughs> is so annoying as a kid. Yeah. If I didn't want kids beforehand, <laughs> I definitely don't now. Yeah. And he like the constant like screaming and all that is like the loudest thing in the movie. Mm-hmm. But like the reveal of the Babadook and it's there isn't like the annoying like the music swelling like and and it to like startle you. It's actually fairly quiet. Yeah. And it's just done really well with his reveal too, because like it isn't this grandiose kind of reveal that a lot of horror films do. It's you don't even really get a great look at like what he really, really looks like. You never get a full like this is him in his entirety. Yeah. I mean you get like when after the point of Amelia kind of getting the Babadook inside of her where she's watching TV and it's like the old time, like 1920s, like again, expressionist films and they're just kind of playing through and you see the Babadook, you really just get like a quick glimpse of him and that's Mm -hmm. about it. But you, you get the idea that like, he's this very tall, very slender man wearing a trench coat, top hat, very creepy face. And like almost, I want to say like Edward Scissorhands type hands. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, he's got, like, that really, like, kind of, like, he looks kind of like Nosferatu, where it's, like, the classic, like, really pale face, um, and, the, like, the really, like, kind of beady eyes, and just, I mean, he looks, like, he isn't the most, he isn't the scariest looking, mm-hmm. like, monster or demon or whatever, like, that you've, that you've probably seen in any recent film, because he's actually fairly tame. Like, again, mm-hmm. he's just kind of like a guy. Yeah, like a top hat and a trench coat with a very like n- like early 1900s like makeup. Yeah, he does have like that weird scene where it's almost like throwing silly putty on the ceiling. Oh right, where, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right before he goes into Amelia. Yeah. Then that that part was kind of like, ooh, look at that. Like, yeah. Again, moves like, creepily. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But you know, yeah. I mean. The horror in this film for me like works so well because of Essie Davis's like acting. Mm-hmm. I think that she does there are scenes in this film that are so well acted by her that it's it's so it's like on the level of Tony Collette and hereditary. Yes. Like it's so incredibly disturbing to watch this movie. Because at the end of the day, what this film really is about is, like, grief mm-hmm. and the slow descent into, like, madness and the slow descent into what grief can do to somebody, like, the hold that it can have on somebody and, you know, how crazy it can make them. And Essie Davis is just incredible. She is. She's really fantastic in this. Specifically, um, I believe it was after the dog being killed. Ah, yeah, yeah. And I guess know. what, Zach? It <laughs> I, was your choice. I forgot that the dog <laughs> dies in this movie. 
But after like the dog dies and she's got the knife, yeah, and she's just like looking at Samuel and like the facial features of her like with actual fear of what she just did, yeah, and then also the Babadook kind of taking over, and you can see that through her expression of like, well, I'm just gonna like clip all of the phone wires yeah like i was like wow <laughs> i would be shitting my pants <laughs> if this was my mom <laughs> yeah um and i think although he's very annoying i think mm-hmm. the actor who plays his son is very good i think so too I, just, I gotta say like he's he's really really good because you can really fuck up with kid actors yeah. like if a child actor is not up to par like mm-hmm. it can really just be like a complete detriment to the film but he really steps up and really portrays this kid who he's just he's so hard to love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's your kid, but he makes it so difficult to love. Because he's just so defiant and he like speaks his mind and he talks about things that like aren't always the best situation to talk about. Very them. blunt and he's yes. just making weapons and breaking <laughs> shit in the house. That fucking catapult is sweet. Yeah, it is. It is actually <laughs> really his cool. Own crossbow. <laughs> yeah. Um he's just got this personality where it's just like that's a tough situation to be in if you're the mom mm-hmm. or the parent of that kid it's just like i mean amelia's d- sister mm-hmm. pretty much just comes flat out and says like i hate your kid yeah <laughs> and it's kind of like oh all right <laughs> like and it, well i hate yours <laughs> yeah and it, and it gets to a point where it's just like and you can't even entirely blame her because it's like he does so many things, like mm-hmm. pushing the kid out of the treehouse and like yeah. pushing her kid out of the treehouse and then fair, breaking though, her nose. That she kid, was being a bitch. She was. She was <laughs> talking about her his dead dad. Yeah. So like, fuck her. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. She deserves to get pushed but, out like, of the tree. But like, you know, it, there's just so many like problems mm-hmm. that he arises and you're just like, man, like you're really making this tough. Especially the car scene too, where he sees the Babadook. But- yeah. But Amelia doesn't. Yeah. And he's just saying, don't let him in. And just screaming. Yeah. Like, ooh, ear shattering. Yeah, like, literally. Cause, and, and I'm using, like, a sound bar. <laughs> so, like, it's really loud. I just turned and down I, my And volume. I had to turn it down. I was like, this is just too much. Like, the, the <laughs> screaming is just so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, like, as a at, at its core, this is a really, really good horror film. Yes. But I think that we should definitely dive into, like, the deeper meanings of things. Because... Mm-hmm. As you know, I'm a sucker for deep metaphors. Yes. And I love that this movie tackles, like, the mental health aspect of of it. Yeah. The uh, Babadook itself is a representation of grief and also a coping mechanism, basically. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of, like, resentment in this film, too, that's shown throughout it. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to do with Amelia. You can see, like, really early on, too, with her, where... She wants to love Samuel, and she's trying to be, like, a good mother. But you can see, like, there's a lot of resentment for what happened. Yeah, like, she can't fully commit because, basically, the father of the kid, they were driving. They were on their way to the hospital, and they get into a car accident. Mm -hmm. And as she was going into labor, they get into the car accident, and uh, and he dies. Mm -hmm. So the birth of the kid's birth, Samuel's birth day is also the same day as the death of the husband yeah 
So that's rough. Yeah, it's really rough. Mm-hmm. And I think I think they said he's it's like it's been seven years, and you could tell that she still like hasn't. She 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 claims that I've I have gotten over it, but you can tell that she's more of just ignoring it. Yeah, and that's why like you have like really cool effects in the film too that Jennifer Kent did where you have it where you see Amelia and like it's just really like sped up of her just like laying in bed or something mm-hmm. or like you see like lights shining through no. to really showcase that at this point in time Amelia has no concept of time. Yeah, it's like because depression. All, yeah, all that she knows is like being depressed about this. Yeah. And it is something where it's like the Babadook coming in really is like all of her grief, depression, resentment, anxiety in one creature. Yeah. And that's where I think like the Babadook really is a cool concept. Yeah. Because it, it's definitely more than just like a, hey, here's like this weird creature possession movie. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that there's an argument to be made of the Babadook isn't real. But mm. I, I personally think that he is real. I think so too. I mean, it's because hard. look the, at the end of the day, like there are things that happen in this movie that you cannot say. Like, okay, like what does this movie take place in reality? Is it like a hyper reality? Mm-hmm. Is it just all in her mind? Like, where, like, where are we in in the reality of this movie? There's no way that it can be just all in. It her can't mind. be. So I think I truly think that the book is real mm-hmm. and that they read it together and that the Babadook really i think that like it's kind of explained that like he he fiends and he he finds himself his like the most powerful in situations of like depression Mm -hmm. and grief and i think that like her being at this stage and where she is where she isn't accepting the death of 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 her husband and she's she's having a hard time loving her kid is kind of like a perfect place for the Babadook to breed. Yes. And I think that, I think that he is real and, and her being that the way she is makes him like that much more stronger Mm -hmm. because I mean, when Samuel's getting like fucking tossed around and thrown up into the walls and, and you know, stuff like that, like, and clearly he's seeing him too because he, he's seeing him first. Mm Mm-hmm. So well, I think it mostly like attaches to the kid first. Yeah, it's supposed to, and then because Amelia is really trying to like ignore him, and that's why too, like she, it's a metaphor for her trying to cover up her own depression. Like you can't, you can't fight the grief, you can't fight the depression. The more that you try to suppress it, the more powerful it becomes. Exactly, and that whole, you know, like you know, when you know, even like when they end up like kind of defeating the Babadook. Mm And there's that really awesome scene of like the wings coming up in like the like the black. Yeah, that was a little weird to me. That's I thought it was really cool. It, it looked huh? great, yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. just like, "We'll show the full thing." They ne- yeah, well, they, they never give it to you, <laughs> yeah. um, and you just kind of have to accept that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like it, 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 there seems to be like a defeatingness of it, mm-hmm. you know. And clearly, Samuel is seeing that with the wings as well because like when the top hat and the trench coat fall to the ground mm-hmm. and she like walks over to it and tries to touch it samuel's like no don't touch it so like it is real yes there's no way that it's not real. there's no there can, right it has to be real mm-hmm. but it, it's just like it's real but it it's also so convenient for this situation <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like exactly it, but it, i i think the babadook is absolutely real and it's not it's not strictly just a metaphor yeah I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, 
I, I will say, too, Samuel's Home Alone shenanigans didn't expect them to work. It, it almost gets like slapstick comedy ish, yeah. right? Especially it, for to, me, that kind of like took me out a little bit. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. This is almost like, this is now kind of making me laugh. Yeah, because when Samuel gets like the catapult and like shoots her in the head and then hits her with the arrow in the arm and then runs downstairs. It's and, like, essentially pulls the Joe wire. Pesci. Like, you might as well just have Jay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it, it really is like slapstick. It's it's funny though. Yeah. But when, when she does start going insane, I mean, it, it almost feels like Ari Aster kind of like took say. from this because like, it's so reminiscent of like Tony Collette when she finally like gives herself to it and, oh. and, and goes insane, which I mean, I personally think hereditary is scarier than this film, but just because thank you, Frank, because I, I had gotten that image out of my head for so long the fucking and now I got wire. a back of Tony Collette <laughs> just banging her head on the ceiling. It's a, uh, it's a rough, so that's a rough you. movie. That was very kind. Um, of you. But yeah, you know, like I, de- I definitely think that like Ari Aster had, had to take some type of inspiration from this film. Yeah. Like, he had to have seen it and been like, you know, like inspired by it because it feels so similar. Yeah. Like, especially when she's like on the door frame and like kicking the mm-hmm. door and like swinging her body. I mean, it just feels like hereditary. Even so, like some of the spots too, like the very first like opening stuff of Amelia when she's kind of like floating down into bed. Yeah. Very reminiscent of her- uh, hereditary. Yeah. The one thing that I do wish about this film that there was more of, and I was, because I've seen this movie a few times mm-hmm. and I really was like paying attention to the background a little bit more this time because I wanted to see yeah. if, like, they placed the Babadook, like, in, in like, anything. dark corners, like, mm-hmm. watching and, like, kind of, like, watching the descent because I felt like that would have been a really cool thing where it's like, okay, he's there and he's just kind of, like, waiting and, and he's watching it and he's br- and he's just getting stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there there isn't. Like, and I kind of wish that there was. Well, you get the one shot of when Amelia's looking into her neighbor's window. Right, but the thing is, that's, like, very clearly, yes. like, he's there and, like, mm-hmm. that you're supposed to be seeing that. Yeah. But I'm talking about, like... L- foreground Amelia talking to mm. Samuel and then like in the corner like if you're not paying attention you really aren't looking Babadook is just in like the back like in the living room or whatever just like stalking and like waiting yeah and I like mean, that would have been like for me that would have been like that would have like really elevated the horror of this film I yeah. mean although it's already like a great and it's very very scary I really really would have liked to see the Babadook in like little dark shadowy corners of of the home just like just stalking and waiting that would have been really cool kind of like a strangers type thing where you see him kind of just walking throughout the house yeah yeah i mean you do get like a little bit where it's like when she tries to go to the police station and you see the top hat and the coat like hanging in the background and it's like okay he's he's watching right but you don't get enough of it yeah it really is more of the focus on amelia and like her mental health yeah and i think the ending to the film plays like such a great part of it too mm-hmm. because like after that final like screaming match basically <laughs> essentially <laughs> yeah and and you get like kind of like a pov shot where it's like you're looking from the babadook's eyes yeah of everything and then i guess he becomes their like pet or- it's, i wouldn't really call it a pet i, I mean again I, I think that the ending is a lot more like it is is like really weighing on the metaphor yeah i i do like i have a whole like metaphor thing for it <laughs> but in a sense he becomes he becomes their pet yeah <laughs> and it's so yeah. weird that like hey this is our pet babadook this is our pet babadook you yeah. can't pet him he's a little mean yeah but the ending though like really when like you get down to it it is 
because they say throughout the film, you cannot get rid of the Babadook. Mm -hmm. The Babadook will always be there as like a form of grief, depression. Like like you're always going to have that. Yeah. But the fact that Amelia now like looks stronger, she's, she's happier. She's learning to cope air quotes with the Babadook. Yeah. So she's able now to kind of like, like I said, cope with everything learning to just live throughout her day, be there for her son. And then you have like a really great like throwaway line that right before she goes down to give him the worms Mm -hmm. and Samuel asks is like, when can I see him? And she says like, oh, not until you're older. Yeah. So this is going to be a part of Samuel's life too, because at some point he's going to get old enough to know about like his father's death. Which he already does. He does, but not in like... I don't like he I feel like he's too young to like fully fully yeah process I, I guess it. it's like yeah I guess it's more like he just like doesn't have like the brain capacity to like fully grasp mm-hmm. like everything yeah. about it but he's very much like aware of, oh yeah like I mean he's he literally comes out and says it like my <laughs> like dad my, dad's my dad died when that <laughs> when he was when my mom you know was giving birth to me yeah and like so he's very much aware of it but yeah I agree yeah and then so essentially like when he grows up He's going to have to learn to cope with the Babadook, a.k.a. his depression and grief from his dad dying Mm -hmm. on his birthday. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it it is, if if you don't, if you go into the movie and you're not, like, looking for, like, metaphors and anything, it's a great just straight-up horror film. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like... If you just again, if you're just going down there and 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 you're not looking for the metaphors, and you see that ending scene where she's just like feeding it worms and like the screaming of it, yeah, you're just kind of like weirded out of it's, like it's, it's. I mean, it's still creepy for sure, but it also is just like, like you said, it's like oh, I guess she just owns the <laughs> Babadook now. Like I don't, it's like odd, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like if you, if you really are the type of person that like looks deeper into film and, and you, and you really like start getting below the surface of, of the horror aspect of it. And you're like looking at what this film is actually about. Um, I mean, I think the ending is kind of brilliant. Yeah. You know, I would say that this is like a very, like for me, like this was her superior film over, uh, she made that one movie that came out. I don't know. I think it was like 2018 or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the Nightingale or something like that. I okay. think it was called. Um, and I didn't really love that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it, no, but it, it, it was like it was kind of like, oh my god, like you know, finally, like the the, the acclaimed director <laughs> of the Babadook has like finally made like her her sophomore feature, and it's a it's a very well made movie, mm-hmm. and it's beautifully shot, and it's just as fucking like depressing and whatnot. But it's not it's not a horror film. But and there's some horrific scenes, but it's just like I don't know. It just didn't like resonate with me nearly yeah. as much as I wish it, didn't it did. Didn't tickle your fancy. Didn't tickle my fancy. So I mean, for me, I definitely loved the Babadook. So did I. I think this is a very well-made film with fantastic acting. Yeah. Great shots. Great soundtrack for it to yeah. really like settle you in and like get you startled and yeah. like uneased throughout the entire film yeah i think that this is like a very very good entry-level art house horror film that Mm -hmm. most people will like not everybody loves the witch from robert Mm -hmm. eggers everyone's like that movie's boring or whatever right whatever it is like and that's like 
I don't think that's like a good entry level film for for people. Yeah, you got to ease your way into yeah, the witch. And and I, and I think that the Babadook is like the perfect balance of art house indie style filmmaking, but also gives you the goods and like anybody who's like, man, I just you know people who who think that horror films are like the jump scare horror films. Mm-hmm. Like paranormal activity, seventeen or whatever, oh, like yeah. like those Woman type, in black, yeah. insidious, Th- all those that stuff. those type of films are not they're not great horror movies, but those are like the 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 commercial ones that everybody goes to see. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Babadook sits in in a, in a place where people like us who really enjoy filmmaking and, and enjoy really good, smart, intelligent horror films. We can sit down and enjoy the Babadook, but also the people who are like into Paranormal Activity 15 can also really enjoy the Babadook because I do think that it gives the goods on like in all aspects. Is it really up to that point now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But like, there's so many of them. I know. Um, but yeah, so I think that it's like kind of like the perfect entry level horror film for somebody who is interested in more art house. Yeah, I definitely think that this is really cool, like a different style of horror movie. As opposed to the time frame of what horror movies were yeah. during this time period of 2014. Yeah. So, really cool. Um, also, fun thing is that, like, it, it, for whatever reason on Netflix, it got mix-matched and got put into the LGBTQ. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, it kind of became the mascot for a little while, which is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a very, very good movie. Um, I highly encourage that if you haven't seen it, definitely do watch it. Um, but... You might, it's one of those movies that like, after the movie ends, mm-hmm. you, you kind of like regress back to like a child and you're like, I don't know, maybe I want to sleep with the lights on tonight, <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> maybe I'll watch like cartoons for half an hour <laughs> yeah. just to get my mind off of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really good though. It is. Zach, you have a recommendation? I do, and it kind of goes along with spooky, scary stuff. So. Getting possessed by a demon. Ooh. <laughs> this is what I recommend. <laughs> so, I want to say 10. And no, not that long. Maybe like six, seven years ago. Okay. Um, when I was in college, there was a paper that we had to write about a documentary, and we had to like go through and like really check out like everything about it. Mm-hmm. So during that time frame, young Zach didn't know what he was looking for. So went through Netflix. Um, it's no longer on there now, but I went through it at that point and found this really cool documentary that you can still find on like Hulu and Amazon and even YouTube. So it was directed by Andrew Monument and it's narrated by Lance Henriksen. It is a documentary called Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue. Okay. So it's a really interesting documentary that showcases starting from the 1920s of German expression films up until where we are now of gore and like body disfigurement of horror. Yeah. And you have like really cool things of actual horror directors being involved in this. So like they'll talk with like John Carpenter, they'll they'll talk with uh, George A. Romero Mm -hmm. and they just go through the timeline of what these horror movies meant during the time frame that they were made. So like obviously with, um, I think it was Dawn of the Dead, the one that George A. Romero made mm-hmm. with um, 
where everybody's in the mall yeah. while zombies are coming through talking about commercialism yeah yeah you have john carpenter who made they live i know right. you don't like that movie but it talks about like reaganism a lot yeah um you have the thing which was about the cold war yeah so it, it's really cool um just because it really breaks down what each horror movie was like and where we in america were when these movies came out mm-hmm. so i think that is a really cool thing especially during this time of the year where it's like, just check it out because it talks about horror movies and it's the spooky season. It is so the spooky season. Might as well check it out. Yep. So Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue. Great. Frank, what are we doing next? Oh, Zach. Uh-oh. Oh, Zach. Uh-oh. We're doing Barney's Great Adventure. Oh, <laughs> my favorite. Uh, no, we are doing, in my opinion, one of the greatest horror films ever. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Ooh. A classic. If you haven't seen The Shining, please, I implore you to watch the movie before you listen to our discussion because it is a masterpiece of horror. And if you haven't seen it, it's a film that if you you can't, I I, I just can't consider you a true horror movie fan if you don't <laughs> if you see haven't The Shining. Seen this movie, yeah. Um. So look forward to that discussion. Uh, Zach, please, please <laughs> take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, you just need to bring me the boy.